Apple Card is the perfect cashback rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City Branch. Subject to credit approval. Terms apply. You're listening to Ruthie's Table 4 in partnership with Montclair. In 2018, I found myself living in Mexico City for four months. My regular world of London, work, family, and friends became irregular as I was unexpectedly thrust into a city with new people, new language, and definitely new food. Then one day, someone suggested we meet at Nido, a small restaurant recently opened by Karen Dujansky and her son, Eduardo Plashinsky. From that morning, everything changed. I went to Nido almost every day, always to be greeted with a strong embrace from Karen, who would then go back to her kitchen and cook me the best Mexican food. Eggs Mexicana, rancheros, tortillas, fresh breads, oatmeal, cheese omelets, avocado. Months later, when it was finally time for me to return to London, it had switched around. Karen and Nido had become my regular world, and it was painful to leave them. We emailed and sometimes phoned, but it was only two days ago that I returned to Nido and Karen for breakfast in four years. So here we are today in a studio, two good friends, back in the most beautiful city I know. Mm. Ruthie, thank you so much. Would you like to read? Yes. And isn't it good to be together? It is beautiful. You always bring tears to my eyes. Never. (laughs) So you've chosen the recipe. Yeah, I've chosen the taglialini with asparagus. So all we need is 500 grams of chopped asparagus, four garlic cloves peeled, four tablespoons chopped mixed fresh herbs, 100 milliliters of double cream, 500 grams of unsalted butter, 200 grams of tagliarini, 120 grams of parmesan, please grate it. And this is how you're going to do it. Trim and finely chop the asparagus. Bring the cream to, the, to a boil in a saucepan with the garlic and simmer until the cloves are soft. Heat the olive oil and butter in the saucepan and fry half of the chopped asparagus. Add the rest of the cream. Bring to the boil, then reduce the heat and simmer until the cream begins to thicken. Cook the pasta, add the sauce, half of the parmesan and toss together. Serve with remaining parmesan and a lot of love. And a lot of love. A good recipe. And why did you choose it? Of all the recipes in all our books Mm -hmm. that I asked you to choose, why did you choose this one, Karen? I love asparagus. Do you? I love herbs. Mm -hmm. I like when pastas are treated simply, mm-hmm. and I adore cream and butter. So I thought anyone can do it, because mm-hmm. you can find the ingredients everywhere. And it's something that I do very often from your book. In England, we have a very short asparagus season. It goes from probably mid-May till 
end of July. What what is is there a season in Mexico for we, asparagus? We can find asparagus all the throughout time. the year. Yeah. Yes. Usually, sometimes they come from here, mm-hmm. and sometimes they come from California. Mm-hmm. So we find that's you know it's easy because I can find asparagus all the year, and also fresh herbs in the farmers market that I go every Sunday. They're amazing. They come from Valle de Bravo. So let's start at the very beginning, perhaps, which would go back to um, how did your family come to Mexico? Because I know it's a very compelling story. Was it your grandmother or your great-grandmother? that? My came? grandmother. Tell me about your grandmother. So my Austrian grandmother came from Austria, mm-hmm. escaping the Second World War. And my other grandmother came from Poland way before the Second World War. So I had two very different upbringings, two very different kitchens, mm-hmm. and two very different environments for cooking. The Viennese one, the Austrian one, was super sophisticated because she could purchase and she knew about a lot of ingredients. So mm-hmm. there was duck. But something very interesting, Ruthie, the cook at my grandma's was an amazing Mexican cook. So when I was five and six, as soon as I went into her house, I ran into the kitchen. I didn't go to the garden. I didn't want to go play with the dogs in the garden or with the dolls. I wanted to cook my own eggs. At six years old. At six. So they had a little wooden stool for Mm -hmm. me to go up, and they would say, can I cook for you the eggs? And I said, no, 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 I'll make my own. And since then... I do scrambled eggs like I did for you. <laughs> like that every day. When you talk about your grandmother who escaped um, to come to Mexico, what was her story? Why? What? It was a very hard and painful story. She lived in a very close town to Vienna mm-hmm. who was taken, you know, they came to get them and kill them all. They were a Jewish family. It was yeah. I'm, I'm Jewish, and my family is Jewish, and I'm a, I'm a very proud of our, our traditions, like mm. anybody else with their own traditions. So we are a Jewish family, and her mom saw a diamond inside a hut, and she explained to my grandma, when they come to get us, and if they kill us all, wear the hat and run away. They came, they killed. Everyone except my grandma and my grandma's sister. In fact, my grandma saved the sister from a camp. So it, it was an amazing story because my grandma was very hardworking and I take the hardworking part from her. Mm. Since I was very young, she said, you need to work. You need to learn how to make a living because that's the experience that she learned and she wanted to pass it to me. Go back to the... The story of the diamond in the hat. What She saw her family being killed. Yeah. She was spared. She quickly went, went and got the hat. She got the hat. She wore. And she was how old? She was 15. She ran away into the woods. With the hat and the diamond. Because by with the diamond, she could save her life and get a ticket to go to America. So she was coming not to Mexico, but to America. She went to New She's, York. Yeah. A family member took her while well, she was trying to make a living and she lived in a garbage bin. In New York? In New York, in a garbage bin for more than six months until she could make it, waitering, doing housework, anything mm-hmm. that 
would give her a living while finding her sister. She did find, you know, it, it's very interesting, Ruthie, because my grandma's name was Carlota, Charlotte, and her sister was Annie. Mm -hmm. And Annie and my grandma taught me how to cook. Mm -hmm. So once they went to New York, they saw an opportunity to come to Mexico. And Mexico has been always, always an amazing place of opportunities. Mm. If you work hard and you're passionate, mm. there's always opportunities in Mexico. So they came to Mexico. How old were they then? Okay, so my grandma was 19 or 20. She was trying to find her sister. She didn't mm. save her from the camp, mm -hmm. from the Holocaust camp. And they came to Mexico and the sister started to cook and started to have a little restaurant in Acapulco. And my dad had a jewelry store And my grandma had a jewelry store in Acapulco, in the in the coast line of the beach. So I worked in the jewelry and in the restaurants yeah. since I was 12. And your own, so your that was your grandmother. Your parents then were born in Mexico. The first generation born yeah. in Mexico. I'm the second, mm -hmm. and my children are the, the third. third. Yes. Amazing. So yeah, it's it's an amazing story because on the other side. The Polish side, yeah. they didn't suffer the Holocaust. Mm -hmm. They just came before mm -hmm. to find. They decided to come. Why did they choose Mexico? Do you think to to there was a to? good Jewish community mm -hmm. and a lot of opportunities. Mm -hmm. So from Poland to Mexico, it was a great opportunity. Mm -hmm. So they came to Mexico, the Polish and the Austrian, yeah. and then mom and dad they met here. They were born here. Yeah. And my mom, Susana, and my dad, Moises, mm -hmm. they met here. They In married Mexico here. City. Yes. Yeah. And eating... What, what did they do? Mom, an amazing art dealer. Oh, yes. yes amazing yes. art dealer. You know, I was very lucky mm. to get to know Mérida, mm. and Zúñiga, mm. and Toledo. So they sat at a table always. So there was always cooking and art. Cooking and culture cooking and music, cooking and love. And where were your grandmothers? Did they did they live near your house? Were Very they... close, Polanco. Yeah. In Polanco. Both yeah. in Polanco. And I could walk. And the Viennese grandma, when I was very little, I put a little food store outside their house with little sopecitos. And the sopecitos were one cent. <laughs> so since very young, I was cooking and, and feeding people. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Were you ever trained or did you just... No, I'm a supernatural. Mm. Like when I was very young, I could smell and know what I wanted to put into the dishes. Mm. I love spices and herbs and mm. products and markets and the people who do it, you know, and very passionate about it. And I, who taught... Was it your grandparents and the Mexican chef that you had cooking for you, the Mexican cook that you had... In the kitchen, who who actually? Connie. Who was Connie? Connie was a very important figure in my life because mm. my grandma taught her cook mm. while she worked. She was a silversmith. Mm -hmm. So while she worked a lot, the mm. cook cook a lot. Mm. And she was taught by my grandma. She was very mm, tough. And, she, and Connie was very soft. And she was very sweet, and she was an, an amazing cook. So she was very patient with me mm. because she took care of my mom when she was pregnant and me when I was born. Mm. 
Mm. When I interviewed Alfonso Cuaron, yeah. the other Mexican that I okay. had on the podcast, he talked very much, and of course he made a movie, Roma, about mm. the role of the domestic help in, in Mexican families. And it's, it's a very unique role, I think, that you had. He, he said a very interesting thing. He said when Americans made money and had greater wealth, they would buy bigger things. They would have a bigger kitchen. They would have a bigger car. They would have a bigger house. They would have maybe two cars. They, and in Mexico, and also I think perhaps in Italy, maybe in Spain, his opinion was that when people had greater wealth, they kept the house the same, the kitchen the same. It was very simple, but they had more domestic staff. They had more That's people true. to work for them. And those people became very, very important in the family. Do you agree? They become your family. Mm. They become your chosen family. Mm -hmm. In fact, I have somebody that helps me at home and my children for over 30 years, yeah. Ruthie. Mm. So the same with Connie. So Connie became my mom's mom mm -hmm. because my mom's mom was always working. And Connie was the one feeding the kids and mm -hmm. taking care of their colds and their temperature and their, you know, and she became my, almost like my grandma. Yeah. So I was always in Connie's kitchen. And then on my Bobes kitchen, my Jewish, yes. Yiddish, yeah. Yeah. you know, yeah. very interesting. Jewish, but very different. And so you had the Mexican food? Oh, you, when your family, tell me about life in your household. Your mother was working, working your father was working, and you had one sister. How, what, what's the So we're family? four girls? Four girls. So okay, we're so four. four. And so what would, you'd go to school, and what was life like at, Home. So mom worked and grandma worked. Mm -hmm. So at home, you would wake up in the morning, go to school, come back, mm -hmm. and have an amazing Mexican meal. Dinner. Big, it, it was lunchtime. It was 2.30 mm -hmm. to 3. Right. So dinner in Mexico is light. Mm. Lunch is heavy. When I lived here, that was one of the things I learned, really, was that you had a... Well, we had big breakfast at Nido. <laughs> then we would have... I would be in the hospital with my husband, and then we would meet for lunch at about four, possibly five, mm -hmm. have a delicious, whatever it was called, lunch or early dinner, yeah. and then that was it. You'd have a piece of fruit at 10 o'clock or a glass of mezcal or tequila and then go to bed. So I thought it was a beautiful way to eat if you could do that and work, you know. I like it because you go to bed very light. You mm -hmm. have a slice of papaya mm. or watermelon yeah. or melon. It's very light, but... Since we have a heavy and Mexican food, you know, mm. you know, Ruthie, you know, the rice and the fideo and the mole and the enchiladas. And that's what we ate at home. Mm. And then a little bit of baking, which was Austrian or Polish. And so you'd sit down to dinner. Everybody ate together. Yeah. So they would come from work. And mm -hmm. at three, everybody was sitting at the table. We had an amazing Mexican during the week, and then Sunday was a little bit more sophisticated. And mm. for Shabbat dinner, mm. was always at my Polish grandma. And at Shabbat dinner was very Jewish. Mm -hmm. Gefilte fish, yeah. matzo balls, you know, yeah. roasted chicken, all that. And on Sunday, we had a very delicious, amazing lunch at my Viennese grandma, which was duck. Mm. And then... Potato dumplings filled with apricots and sacher torte and linzer torte and butter cookies. Mm -hmm. It was all about butter. Yeah. And butter easy to get in Mexico? Is amazing it, is it butter. butter? Yeah. 
Interesting. Amazing butter. Sometimes I buy it from a special, very small ranch, mm-hmm. or sometimes I get it from where it comes the best, mm-hmm. which is France or Denmark. Yeah. But produce in Mexico, if you know where, mm-hmm. we're very lucky. Yeah. I think that um, there's such an incredible food awareness in Mexico City. And I think it can be anything from your own restaurants to what you're doing to Contramar, which we went to today, which has probably 250 people in one room and having wonderful um, you know, fish brought to you by waiters who just say yes to everything. Yes. I, you know, There's just a wonderful atmosphere to a bar that I went to the first night I got here and you had to open what looked like a, a kind of refrigerator door to get downstairs cool. to have a drink. It was like prohibition. But it feels on fire, the Mexican yeah. food scene, without being, with you know, not being fashionable. There's a culture of food here that I'm so amazed by and moved by. It is so important for us. Mm-hmm. It is so important as family together, as friends together, mm. as couples together, So food is a a huge part. Where are you going for breakfast? What are you doing Mm. for lunch? Where are you having dinner? It's part of our life. You know, it's big. Mm. Because I find that you stop your day for those moments. And you connect with people in those moments. And did you go to restaurants with your family? Tons. Oh, you did. So you'd have those meals and the thing, and then you'd go Friday night Shabbat, and then... When would you go to Saturday restaurants? when we were Saturday. young? Yeah. On Saturday. Have you been to Danubio? No. It's a very typical fish, Spanish restaurant mm-hmm. in the city center. Mm-hmm. You have to go. It's a classic. Okay. So from lobster to big shrimp to little clams. Mm-hmm. And it's a very old, beautiful dining room. I'll take you next I time you come. Yeah. Danubio. Yeah. We went to Danubio. We went to La Lanterna. Mm-hmm. We went to Champs-Élysées, which was like an amazing restaurant. The food was... And it is a huge part of our lives. Yeah. I have four sisters, so we're four. We cook yeah. big time. And is it regional? Well, I know it is regional, so I know the answer to that question. So if you're in the Yucatan, you'll be eating something very different than you would have perhaps in, you know, on the Pacific Coast. And if you're on the Pacific Coast, you'll have something that's quite different from, you know, Mexico City or the, the Baja Oaxaca. California, Oaxaca. So the, the regionality of food is very important in Mexico, isn't it? It is. Such a big country. It is, because who is from Oaxaca is very proud from, mm. from their produce and the way they cook their chiles. See, if you go to Puebla, you have a certain kind of mole, but if you go to Oaxaca, you have another mole. Tell me about the two moles. You know, they're so different. So listen, in Puebla, it's sweeter. Mm. In Oaxaca, it's hotter, okay. spicier. And I was just in Mérida, in Casa Escuela, doing mm-hmm. an amazing pop-up. Mm-hmm. And I went to these amazing markets. Ruthie, I cannot even tell you what I found. Mm-hmm. Like uh, la mazorca. What's that? The corn, mm-hmm. cob. Mm-hmm. It's burned inside the ground. Mm-hmm. And it's burned. And it's brown. And it's smoky. And I did pico de gallo with it and tapmales with it and you can do pastry with it and it's very regional. Can you just tell everyone what mole is? Yes, mole it's a very thick sauce made with chile, nuts, tons of spices from cinnamon to chocolate. Does all mole have chocolate in it? No. In Oaxaca, yes, a ton. In Puebla, less. 
In Puebla, more sugar. In Oaxaca, more chocolate. And then in Oaxaca, you can find more than 20, 30, 40 kinds of mole, like coloradito, amarillito, negro, for, for pork, for chicken, for guajolote. Mm. Mole, it's a huge thing. Yeah. I love it. You love it. And do you cook a certain type? Do you make all different types? Puebla. Yeah. I That's like it. el mole poblano. It's sweeter. And I went to Puebla like two, three months ago, and I got some beautiful pastes from mm -hmm. it. And I just season it, and I do it with chicken and white rice and uh, tortillas for my mm -hmm. kids with an amazing avocado and tomato salad with a cilantro dressing, and it's beautiful. It's so interesting because as an American, my vision of what Mexican food was it was so different from the reality. It's so refined. It's so subtle and light and about the ingredients the markets have the markets changed since no. in the last many years no the Tell. real ones mm. no you know if i go to el mercado in oaxaca mm -hmm. el mercado central in oaxaca la central de abastos ruthie it's the same mm. it's beautiful because it has we make sure we keep it the same so if we go to the old markets and the original markets, yes. If you go to the neighborhoods, maybe they come and they want to paint a little bit and they take the charm of it. But I was in Merida and I went to three markets and I went to the original market. And this one market was, it took me back 150 years ago. In what way? The way the people dress, the way the people talk, the ingredients they had the way they display it, the freshness. It was the same as 100 years ago. So we keep them. We mm. want to keep the tradition. We want to keep it that way. Did you know the River Cafe has a shop? It's full of our favorite foods and designs. We have cookbooks, linen napkins, kitchenware, tote bags with our signatures, glasses from Venice, chocolates from Turin. You can find us right next door to the River Cafe in London or online at shoptherivercafe.co.uk. Welcome to 500 Greatest Songs, a podcast based on Rolling Stone's hugely popular, influential, and sometimes controversial list. I'm Brittany Spanos. And I'm Rob Sheffield. We're here to shed light on the greatest songs ever made and discover what makes them so great. From classics like Fleetwood Mac's Dreams to The Ronettes' Be My Baby, and modern day classics like The Killer's Mr. Brightside. Listen to Rolling Stone's 500 Greatest Songs on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. There's plenty to celebrate in March and exceptional craft month with the perfect pizza at home class from Craftsy. And anytime is right to listen to iHeartRadio's iHeartCountry Radio. Discover more shows and movies for free. We grew up in this family that loved food, 
loved to eat together, loved art, loved culture, obviously loved you. What age were you when you actually left home, this beautiful home life? 20, to get married. You were married at age 20. Very young, very super young. young. Very I young. was very in love with love. Yeah. So um, I married super young and I cooked at home. But I never thought I was going to have a restaurant. And did you have children very soon? Yes. At 25, I had Michelle, Mm -hmm. then Carlos, Mm -hmm. and then Eduardo. And you cooked for them? Every single day. Did you have help at home doing that? In Mexico, it's... And again, you cooked Italian and... Mexican. You cooked Mexican food and the food of the Jewish culture as well. A lot. A lot. Yeah. Did you have a job? Did you Um, you work as a graphic designer? I studied graphic design and I always wanted to work. All the time I was like a a career woman, Mm -hmm. a professional woman. So I said, I have three kids. I'm not going to have a restaurant. I want to be a full-time mom. So I had a very big kitchen with a big range Mm -hmm. and a big oven. And I said, I can have supper clubs. So on Tuesdays, I gave classes in the morning for 20 people. And they were always very liked because mm-hmm. it was about comfort food right. with a twist. And then at night, I had supper clothes. We moved to Vancouver. How did you? I lived in Vancouver for 12 years. With three children. With three children. And it was huge to work from 6 o'clock in the morning to 3 when I picked them up and then prepare for supper clubs on Thursdays. So you came back from Vancouver to Mexico yes. City. I came back with Eduardo and I started to work for a guy that had 12 restaurants Mm -hmm. and he needed somebody that he can really rely on. And then one day my kids sat with me and I said, mom, enough. I think you need to do your restaurant. And I said, what? And I said, mom, do your dream. You're going to die without your dream. And I said, no. So you started with, did you have an investment? How did you start? I started by partnering with Eduardo, my son, Mm -hmm. because we we share the same passion in a very deep, deep, deep level. And then from day one, I put my intention. I found that beautiful old building, that bottom part of the street, Tree Line Street, off Reforma, between El Angel and La Diana. I was, this is precious. And then Carlos invested my son, and then we saved a lot of money. And then I started coming in at 3.30 in the morning to prep. Because I thought it was going to be a big supper club, Ruthie. Yeah. It's a very uh, hard business to start because when we started, you asked about the River Cafe, and when we began, we had accountants from my husband's office. We had, Rose had worked in a restaurant in New York, and I had never worked in a restaurant. And you can fail so easily. You know, the dream of having a small Oof. restaurant. We've seen them, you know, come and go because, you you know, you don't charge for that cup of coffee. No. You throw away a box of fennel. You forget to turn over, you know, the, the fridge on. Oh. There's so many ways you treat your friends to dinners. Oof. And so it takes a lot of mm-hmm. rigor and a lot of business. Mm-hmm. And did you have doubts? Were there times when in the beginning you thought it might mm. not work? Or no, did you never. Think? That was a very interesting thing. And I knew from the start it was going to be amazing. Mm. I knew it. It was going to be successful. But successful because what I was offering, nobody else did in Mexico. They brought chains, Mm. only chains from the States. They never did their own thing. And I was doing my own thing with my son, and the story was beautiful. It was a mom with a son Mm. cooking, 
but I never thought it was going to be as hard as when the veggies are going to arrive and they don't arrive, when the gas is off because you didn't uh, think about it was one day going to be off, when the water doesn't come in, when the waiter doesn't come in, when your help gets yeah. sick. And then you, uh, you know, I remember for the first three years, I went in at, for the first two years, I went in at four o'clock in the morning. But I woke up so sure that I wanted to do my dream come mm-hmm. true. I never saw that hour mm-hmm. or the time. I just went to bed, went to take a shower, put on my apron, and went to Nidos. And it was really hard, but at the same time really rewarding because I was doing what I loved in a more professional way. I really want to tell people to never, ever leave their dreams on the back burner. And that sometimes it's hard, but it pays off in the um, in the realization of your passion and just keep on doing it. Can you tell me what it's like to be a partner with your son? Oh, that's the most interesting question. This is an amazing question, Ruth. Why don't you can come and join us if you want to, Eduardo? Why don't you come and, and come join on, us? Come on, come. Just come. Let I think in many <coughs> in many fields of work you hear about husbands and wives being partners of working together you hear about brothers working together I would love to know how is it working together as a team with mother and son yeah so I started front of house and I was pretty much waitering tables and seating people and lots of different types of things what did you do before was this the first restaurant you ever worked in no I worked with Eduardo Garcia who's the chef of Maximo Bistro Mm -hmm. in Mexico City. And I think that pretty much was like my PhD in learning how a restaurant works. I had absolutely no restaurant experience elsewhere. I went to school for hospitality here in Mexico City, Mm -hmm. but I actually dropped out halfway because school, school was never something for me. So I decided to quit my job at Maximo and together we opened the first restaurant which is the original one in the corner. I mean, together we've opened all of them, but it's been, that first one was really intense because we had very little restaurant experience. And so we learned day by day. We learned how to manage a team. Day by day, you learn how to create an internal culture. You learn how to make your processes more efficient. You learn how to optimize the business part to it, which is, Fundamental, because if you don't have a good business, then you, you don't have anything, you know? How many do you have now? In right now we have two four. cafes and two restaurants. And so, so someone listening to this, coming from New York or Paris or, yeah. you know, Moscow, who knows? What would you recommend them to, how would they come to find you in Mexico City? Which one would you? Which one? It's If you feel like breakfast or lunch, I would say go to the original, which is the corner on Dresde street where you sat yesterday yes and i would like to describe the restaurant and i recommend anybody who's listening to this that they must come there on their first trip to mexico because if going to the market teaches you about the culture going to nito teaches you about culture and these beautiful shelves with beautiful objects of mexico on them and a, a, a mirror on the ceiling which reflects being inside or outside you try and think where do i want to sit outside on the street where they're friends walking past or inside where you feel cozier, but always that sense of warmth and 
delicious, delicious food. You can't just have warmth and happiness. You need to have the rigor of having delicious food. If you like listening to Ruthie's Table 4, would you please make sure to rate and review the podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Thank you. Welcome to 500 Greatest Songs, a podcast based on Rolling Stone's hugely popular, influential, and sometimes controversial list. I'm Brittany Spanos. And I'm Rob Sheffield. We're here to shed light on the greatest songs ever made and discover what makes them so great. From classics like Fleetwood Mac's Dreams to the Ronettes' Be My Baby, and modern day classics like The Killer's Mr. Brightside. Listen to Rolling Stone's 500 Greatest Songs on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. There's plenty to celebrate in March and ex- National Craft Month with the perfect pizza at home class from Craftsy. And anytime is right to listen to iHeartRadio's iHeartCountry Radio. Discover more shows and movies for free. I'm very impressed with the younger generation of, of people here in your city. Yeah. When I was here four years ago, there were uh, young people really exploring how to make tequila again, how to make mezcal again, how to make tamales again. Yes. You know, mm-hmm. going back with from the, the parents maybe had the farms, the parents maybe had the alcohol, yeah. but the younger generation were interested in organic. They were interested in means of production. They were interested in the ethics of the workers. And mm-hmm. I thought there was a very definitely a younger generation mm-hmm. who are challenging and excited about what incredible ingredients you have yeah. and land you have in this country yeah. to yeah. to produce great food. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Mexico has everything. Mm-hmm. We have everything and people here are very creative and passionate and very driven, mm-hmm. I think. Very passionate. Mm-hmm. So yeah, there's there's opportunity. I always I have a lot of friends that live outside of Mexico, and I always say that Mexico is the perfect place to be an entrepreneur and Mm. to start a business and to create, which is what you're saying, because it's a lot easier. People are very nice. People help you a lot. Um, You're just like in an environment where it's easy to flourish, you know? Yeah. And did you find any difficulties in terms of... The male-dominated yes. uh, profession. In yes. what way? Especially, I have to say, Mexico is a very macho-driven mm-hmm. uh, country. That it's a male-driven places where the where women are your wishes are second or not a priority, or your passion or your work is not a priority. In fact, it's a very alpha male-dominated world. And you find it everywhere. So I learned that Mexico sometimes is tough that way. In business, I have to say, the comfort food that we offer, because Eduardo and I, we created the concept, we created the family meals that we had since my kids were born, is the menu. Yeah. So I was competing with no one, Yeah. really. 
but it is an alpha-dominated country. Yes. Uh, and how did you expand? So you have one. You had one needle in in yeah. 2018, and then we opened another one, mm-hmm. and then the pandemic came, and I couldn't stop cooking because. Number one, I I need to be creating and creative all the time. And I knew that people would need to go out at least to breathe and get a little a little treat. And do you know our famous buttermilk pancakes? Yes. They saved us. And that not only saved us, but it helped us expand. Mm-hmm. So we expanded into desserts because baking is my... Cooking is... For sure, my passion. Mm-hmm. But ending with a nice dessert, yeah. Ruthie, for me, you cannot have a meal without good <laughs> bread, good butter, good olive oil, and good dessert. <laughs> you agree? Isn't it like agree. it is the tip, yeah. like it's a cherry yeah. on top. So we opened the first Nido, then we opened a Nido Cafe, mm-hmm. which is all my recipes from my heritage, from my tribe, my grandmas, my aunts. Uh, my sisters, my kids, my loves. And then we opened another Nido because we started to have a waiting list. Mm-hmm. And the waiting list wasn't an hour. Mm-hmm. It was two. And there was three hours wait. And then we had an opportunity to go around the block. And I went to a retreat because I love meditation. And Eduardo said, Mom, this place opened up. Shall we take it? I said, mm-hmm. okay, let's go for it. And now we open in Polanco. The fourth one. How do you keep the control of quality? Because like, they all are very, very good. Like you. I'm there every day. Mm. What did Eduardo tell you when we pick you up? Tell my mom to rest mm. a little bit. No, and I didn't. I can't. <laughs> I just can't. I mean, I, she said that you're my mentor. So what no. do you have to say about it? Because my no. passion is to go there every is. day. So I try. I think we have the best job in the world. I always say that, you know. And they say that if you... You know, Steve Jobs said, "If you if you uh, if you love your job, you'll never have to work again." I don't you know, work, so we don't work. You know, no. we don't. And do you um, talk and meet with other chefs, other people who are doing what you're doing, or is it quite? It is interesting that question. Um, I'm not a celebrity chef, Ruthie. You know, I'm just a cook. I'm not a celebrity. I never wanted to be a celebrity chef. I'm just a simple cook that dared to do my dream and open up a restaurant and became very successful because of the comfort of the food and also the price of the food. You know, it has to do also, you know, you can go to Nido many times. Yeah. When you talk about your restaurant or other people's restaurant or your grandmother or your, uh, you know, your parents or sitting down to meals or the people that you've learned from, the word comfort comes up a lot. And I always end the podcast uh, by asking people, because it's important to me to know, and I think it's quite revealing that if we eat for hunger, we eat because we're hungry, don't we? We eat because we want to share with other people. We eat because we want to sit down at a table with our children. We eat because we want to cook. But very often we eat because we need comfort. And so if I were to ask you, in times of comfort, is there a food that you would turn to? Yes. And what would that a be? A good matzo ball soup. Good matzo ball soup. A good pozole. And a good quesadilla. What is this pozole? Pozole I love. I do it um, with chicken and very big 
corn that I forget in English how it's called, but it's a soup with a lot. My kids love it, and it's a lot of chicken and this big corn and I put radish mm. and cilantro and lemon and chiles and mm, they prepare lemon. it mm. and it's comforting. There's so many chiles in Mexican food. Tell me about chiles. Oh, I love pasilla. What is that? The chile pasilla, it's a dried chile that is very sweet. The chipotle that is very smoky. My favorite is the morita. Mm-hmm. And the morita is very small. It's very tasty. But it doesn't burn your tongue, so it makes you just enjoy the meal. And you eat that fresh or dried? Dry. Dried. Fresh, jalapeño, mm-hmm. en serrano, en poblano. Right. The rest, which are so many, Ruthie, dry. Yeah. I think there's incredible culture to Mexico. I, I, When I was here in 2018 for those four months, you know, culture can be you know, going to the Anthropological Museum or going to Tamayo, to the Folk Museum, but it also can be the way you make a bed. It can be the way you drive a taxi and the cleanliness of your car. It can be the kindness to a stranger. It can be showing somebody, if they're lost, how to walk down the street. I I think it's an incredibly beautiful culture. And the other day when um, I was with some friends and they said, I'm going. I said I'm going to Mexico for my Christmas holiday, and one of them said, "Well, when are you coming back?" And one of my children said, "Maybe never." <laughs> you should. I'm surprised. I'm surprised you're not living here already. Yeah. <laughs> you never know. I never know. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, why not? Yeah. Just leave the cold months Good. for. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Thank, you. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Ruthie's Table 4 in partnership with Montclair. Ruthie's Table 4 is produced by Atomize Studios for iHeartRadio. It's hosted by Ruthie Rogers and it's produced by Willem Malensky. This episode was edited by Julia Johnson and mixed by Nigel Appleton. Our executive producers are Faye Stewart and Zad Rogers. Our production manager is Caitlin Paramore and our production coordinator is Bella Cellini. Thank you to everyone at the River Cafe for your help in making this episode. This is Tracy V. Wilson from Stuff You Missed in History Class. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new car. Like a legendary Camry built for performance and available with all-wheel drive, you can count on your new Camry to get anywhere you need to go. Or check out an affordable and reliable Corolla with a trim for every lifestyle. From the hip sedan to the sporty hatchback, there's a Corolla built just for you. Check out more national sales event deals when you visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places. Welcome to 500 Greatest Songs, a podcast based on Rolling Stone's hugely popular, influential, and sometimes controversial list. I'm Brittany Spanos. And I'm Rob Sheffield. We're here to shed light on the greatest songs ever made and discover what makes them so great. From classics like Fleetwood Mac's Dreams to The Ronettes' Be My Baby, and modern day classics like The Killer's Mr. Brightside. Listen to Rolling Stone's 500 Greatest Songs on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. There's plenty to celebrate in March and ex- 
National Craft Month with the perfect pizza at home class from Craftsy. And anytime is right to listen to iHeartRadio's iHeartCountry Radio. Discover more shows and movies for free. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury. The premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Live March 20th from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer.